0: Thank you for calling Glacier National Park.
1: Trip planning information to assist with questions on camping, lodging, trails, and other aspects of planning a trip to the park is available on the park website at www.nps.gov forward slash glac forward slash plan your visit. Um, If you have other questions, press 6.
0: You've reached the front desk of Glacier National Park.
1: There's
2: something about planning a long-distance through-hike that feels out of body. I mean, yes, I'm gathering my gear, I'm studying the route and the conditions that I'll face, like snow, lightning storms, lack of water, and wildlife encounters— And I've also read other people's blogs and gotten so much advice. I'm making maps and determining how far I'll need to walk between places where I can either buy food, have it sent to me, or get a hitch into town. I've made a spreadsheet organized for my southbound Continental Divide hike, which begins in just a few short weeks. There's mileage, the alternates I want to take, tips on lodging along the way and where the trail angels are, as well as when I need to pick up my permit for wilderness areas that I'll walk through, like Yellowstone, the Indian Peaks Wilderness in Colorado, New Mexico Trust Lands, and Glacier National Park where I'll start. But do I have a crystal clear vision of what's ahead on the Continental Divide Trail? Well, maybe. You're listening to the Blissful Hiker Podcast. I'm Allison Young, the Blissful Hiker, sometime professional flutist, sometime voice artist, and full-time pedestrian. Thanks so much to Lecky and Belega for their support. Also Summit Orthopedics, experts in joint pain and injuries, and my choice for two total hip replacements. And with their blessing, I'm on my way to walking the world. Apgar Wilderness Permit Center, this is Marcy. Hi, Marcy. Uh, my name is Allison Young, and I am planning to walk the Continental Divide Trail beginning mm-hmm. in June with two girlfriends. And I have a few questions.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, first of all, we probably need, we're going to be staying at East Glacier, and then we need to have a pass to just drive in to get our permits.
0: So yes and no. Um, a couple, couple questions to start with. Are you going to be eastbound on the CDT or northbound? Southbound or sorry, I'm yeah. you're going to be southbound. It was a trick question. You passed, And you know that the, uh, you know, currently the Canadian border is closed to non-essential travel. So you'd be starting on that alternate route. Um, yeah. So you would have a couple options. Um, from East Glacier, you can actually hike into Two Medicine if you wanted to, you know, hike in and not have to get a ride. But Two Medicine, there is a backcountry permit office there and you do not need one of those um, park pass tickets that are kind of the new thing this year that's just for the going to the sun corridor so it excludes it excludes two medicine
2: well, we do have a ride. My husband is actually driving us. So we'll be staying in East Glacier. And, um, you know, the main questions, well, actually, the, the most important question I have to ask is, um, should we be starting? We're thinking June 17th. And some people are saying that's a little too early. Um, what What is your opinion on that?
0: Well, it really depends on what kind of travel you're prepared for. Um, it is early as far as the season goes. You're going to be going over a few different mountain passes, and there's going to be a lot of significant snow still, up there and some pretty, you know, high angle snowfields and hazards that you're going to have to cross. So it, it's not that the trail is going to be closed to you. It's just, you know, are you prepared? You know, are you guys going to have ice axes, crampons? Do you have any experience self-arresting? Like, is that the kind of travel you're prepared for? Um, if you're not quite prepared for that level, um, you might consider pushing the date back when, when giving those passes a little more time to melt out because early June is, pretty early for that. So how late would you say, would you
2: suggest, just kind of ballpark?
0: Um, I mean, we have a couple campgrounds along that route that don't even typically open until late July. Um, but that being said, I think, you know, l- more like early July, um, there's still going to be some snow fields you'll have to cross, but the, m- the more significant hazards should be fairly well melted out by early July. And if not, um, significantly less dangerous anyway. Okay.
2: And so what about permitting? So we're going to be staying in East Glacier. Mm -hmm. And I guess uh, what we've been told is to do walk-up permits instead of trying to get everything set in stone. Um, How does that work? And how easy is it to get permits?
0: Yeah. So the reason you're probably being advised to do walk up versus advanced is just because we have been taking advanced reservations since uh, mid-March and at, at this point we've received almost 5,000 applications so most of the ones that we you know most of it's gone already um, and so the way that our park is set up every campground in the backcountry has half of the sites available to be reserved in advance and then the other half we leave open for walk-ins um, so at this point the, that half that was reservable in advance is, is pretty much taken um, so what you'd be doing for for the walk-ins is that you can get those in-person as soon as one day before your trip starts. So you could come in the day before you want to actually hit the trail and start your trip. Um, being there early and being first in line, you know, just gets you the best shot at getting your first choice. It's a first-come, 1st first serve system. So we open at 8 a.m. So that, that permit office in Two Medicine is going to open at 8. So you just might consider getting there a little earlier than that and being the first one in line there. And then, um, yeah, it's just a, based on availability. You can book your trip from there. And if there's, you know, certain sites that are full or if you're not first and a couple of them get taken um, with the CDT, there's certain areas where there aren't really that many alternative campgrounds. But then there's certain areas where there's, you know, a handful that you could choose to stay at and different different ways to make that route work.
2: We just have to be able to get through the entire trail. <laughs> yeah. So that's always the, the question. Okay, great. Well, thanks so much, Marcy. I really appreciate your help. You're welcome. And have a great summer. You too. Bye. Okay. That seems fairly somewhat kind of straightforward. You go to Two Medicine and you hope for a permit, and then you start hiking. So I've got this theory about planning. I mean, you want to get the logistics in place as best you can. You want to know as much as you can, call ahead, set things up. But then you have to adopt an attitude of flexibility. One of the best pieces of advice I ever received was from this through-hiker trail angel who went by the name of Broken Toe. I met him at Hart's Pass in Washington State when I walked the PCT, Now, the Sobo, or southbound hiker, has to walk north for 30 miles, touch the terminus, and then hike right back south again. So Broken Toe parked his van at the spot where we'd be returning, and he camped out for a few weeks just to greet us, share food, and give us a place to pitch our tents. It was raining that day and was still pretty cold, so it was glorious to sit by his fire and be schooled in how to take in a long hike.
1: I am Broken Toe, a trail magician.
2: Trail magician.
1: Mm Yeah. This is my second year. I did it last year as well. Um, Just love the community. When I came up here on my northbound through hike, there was no one here, and it was snowing, and it was cold. (laughs) And my highlight was shivering in the pit toilet over there. Um, And I really wanted someone to be up here with a fire and food, so I decided to be that person
2: you come for three weeks. How many people do you think you've seen so far?
1: 130 signed my book. By 200 have come through.
2: Man. So what's your, um, like, one piece of advice you might give having done all three of the major trails?
1: So I've only That's- done parts of the CDT. Oh, okay. I've done the PCT twice and the AT once outbound. Okay. Um, don't plan as much. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of go with it. Take your time. Take zero days. Take zero days on trail. Oh. Yeah. Try to pack extra food out of town. Mm -hmm. Go like five miles to a nice campsite and just hang out there all day. and Mm. Take in nature and just sit there and look at the clouds. Mm. Look at the rocks. Look at the trees. You know, for hours. Just really take it all in. Because
2: sometimes you walk so fast, you just... Yeah. You miss all the details. It just
1: becomes, you know, we we say that it's about the journey and not the destination. We all know that. But it's so hard to to live that, you know, and to make the, the step you're taking right now the priority. Mm. So.
2: I may be leaving some things to chance, but I am still calling a few places that are coming up on my hike right away to find out about sending a resupply box and camping. But that only gets me to mile 236 at the Benchmark Wilderness. It's not really that far in a through hike. It's a place that charges $30 to hold a box of food and $20 more to pitch a tent and take a shower. I mean, what do you do? Do you go there or hitchhike to the next town? Well, you got to pull the trigger at some point, And I guess if I send a box, even if it's that expensive, I do have options. The good news is that Richard, my husband, is my best trail angel of all. He's ready to send resupply from St. Paul, and he's really quick with looking up what's coming up next for me so he can make a call here and there or suggest a reroute. He also has strong ideas about food storage.
3: What's with the metal pole and a rat? The rat can climb anything. No, it's metal. They can't get their their claws in. Yeah, have you ever seen squirrels go up a squirrel feeder? I mean, up a bird feeder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're, we're trying to keep all the squirrels out of our squirrel feeder so the birds can get at it.
2: Um, yeah, but I think that they sort of leap up it, and I don't think that th- these things are really, really tall. He, Richard's in the handbook.
3: They have circus rats and glaciers, and you know how to go protect your food when you hear this music. <laughs> oh. Attacking the food bag again.
2: <laughs> yep, critters are a logistical problem on the CDT. I mean, maybe no circus rats in Glacier, but lots of hungry and resourceful animals like raccoons, marmots, squirrels, and of course, bears. Glacier National Park is home to one of the largest remaining grizzly populations in the lower 48 states. So they're set up for this with a hanging system for your food out of reach of bears. The poles look kind of like goalposts. You tie a line to your food bag and then to a little rock bag that you throw over the pole, grab hold of, and hoist up the food. It does take practice, and it's not always foolproof. I've always just used a nylon bag for my food, except in places where a hard sided bear canister was required, like the Sierras. But those containers are big and heavy and a real pain to carry. So there is another option, and it's called Ursac. Ursacs are made of tear-proof fabric, I mean for the most part, and they're much lighter. And also they're bags, so they can be wadded up as they empty. But there are different kinds on the market and different sizes. I'll have seven-day carries of food, so I really wanted to find the right one to buy, so I rung up Ursac to get the lowdown.
3: Thank you for calling Ursac. This is Courtney. How can I help you?
2: Hi, I just have a few questions. My name is Allison, and I'm about to hike the CDT, and I want to buy an Ursac, but I'm a little bit confused on the different types of material, and there's been so much written about it online, and I just wonder if you could um, maybe explain the different materials and the size and stuff.
3: Yeah, so um, I think most people, I want to say for the CDT, they go with the Almighty if they choose to use an Ursac for it. Um, the Almighty series is made from an HMPE and Kevlar laminate, so it protects you against bears and critters. So, our sizes um, for the Almighty's, we have the regular, um, the original 10 liter, and then the Grizzly is 20 liters, and our Kodiak is 30 liters. And then for our Major series, um, the Major is 10 liters, our XL is going to be 15 liters, and the 2XL is 30 liters.
2: What do you normally recommend for a single solo hiker, size-wise?
3: Um, so if you want to kind of keep your uh, resupplies kind of to a minimum, but still like fit it into your pack, um, I would normally go with the XL if you're going for a major. Um, I know people can get by if they go with the Almighty. I know that they've gotten by with the um, just the regular 10-liter Almighty. Um, the 20-liter is kind of big for backpacking. I mean, it depends on the vo- like the, how big your backpack is as well and then what the rest of your, your kit is going to have in it, too.
2: Who needs a tent? I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs>
3: exactly. Cowboy camp it. So, like, if I, if I had this, I know
2: that the instructions are to, like, tie it to a tree. I mean, I've always used a hard-sided container. That's why I'm kind of, like, a little um, vague on this. But um, you could tie it to a tree, but, I mean, could you tie it? In a tree as well? I mean, is that going to maybe keep some of the small critters away?
3: Yeah. I mean, as long as you have it fixed to something that's not going to move, you're already off to a better start. Um, I know on the ATU, there has been a lot of bear activity. So we're now recommending that, like, if you're going to tie it to a tree, tie it as high as you can. So great. Well, Courtney, thanks so much. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye.
2: Well, I got a bear-proof bag and I've also got bear spray counter-assault bear deterrent. Basically, it's just a whole lot of capsicum. That's hot pepper in an atomized spray can. And you wear it in a holster, and then you train yourself how to use it if a bear is charging. I mean, you want to get them where it counts, right in the eyes. And I guess that means you'll be looking right at the bear as they come at you. Holy salmon breath, Batman. (laughs) The can also helpfully informs users not to seek out encounters with bears. And, of course, it's only a deterrent. So I'll have to make sure I know how to use the bear spray. And in the coming weeks, I'll be making maps to carry with me, mostly because I'll take in some alternate routes, like the Teton Crest. But that's like a month and a half away. So for right now, I can only see so far ahead. Picking a date to meet my posse in Billings, then driving north? reserving a bunk in a hostel in East Glacier, and then trying to arrive in time to storm the permit office and get ourselves a plan for camping in Glacier. (laughs) Yup, there's going to be a whole lot of logistics to figure out as I move along the trail. But things are slowly coming into focus. Amelia Earhart famously said, Preparation is rightly two-thirds of any venture. Okay, true. True. But she also disappeared without a trace somewhere in the South Pacific. I mean, not that I plan to get lost. I take safety very seriously. And I will pack the 10 essentials, and I've got backup plans. But I don't even know right now the exact day I'm going to start walking. Only that I will be walking, and soon. And I'll have all that stuff, the micro spikes, the bear spray, the ice axe, all of it, on my back. Thanks for listening to the Blissful Hiker podcast. I am in preparation mode now, if it's not totally obvious. My plan is to podcast from the trail as it happens. It will have a very different feel to what you've heard so far, because you and I both won't know what's next or how things end. You can support my endeavor of podcasting while walking the 3,000 miles of the Continental Divide Trail at Patreon. There is a link to Patreon in the show notes, or just go to the Patreon website and click on Blissful Hiker. You can listen to Blissful Hiker wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're on Apple, leave a rating and review to help people find me. The website is blissfulhiker.com. There's loads of pictures from treks all around the world and more episodes. Next week, I'm going to pull together all my gear and the 10 essentials. Also, you'll learn how I plan not to cook any of my meals on the through hike. Until then, my friends, kia kaha and happy trails.